I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello. Hello, testing. Are we testing or are we in? No, we're in it. We're oh, in we're it, pal. In it. Hey, what, hey, what time is it? <laughs> it is 7.40 on a Thursday morning. And you know what the best thing to do at 7.40 on a Thursday morning is? Wear a, a snowflake sweater. A- and wear a snowflake sweater. Sna- s- mm, <laughs> good. I don't have any coffee, so this is what it's going to be like. This is... Wear a snowflake sweater. And record your podcast yes. with your best friend. Because this is a lot, honestly, this is probably the last minute podcast we could ever record. The only thing worse that I could think of is if we recorded it on a Friday morning and edited it and uploaded it during our lunch break. Oh my That's gosh. worse. Yeah, that would be. But this is very like last minute, cutting it close. I'm going to be editing this all day. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, no one's fault at all. Probably just our own because we thought that we could watch Succession in Ozark. It's we, our past self's fault. And we would have all this time. Um, can we just agree to never do this again? Especially like in the middle of a semester. Because <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm dying. Hey, because I'm dying. Consider this my agreement. Thank you. Play this back, anyone, who, when we decide to do this again. June is like a nice month. (laughs) January could be a great month for this. But October? No. No. Oh, God, no. October's like, like a jackhammer. That's what my brain feels like all the time. Well... (laughs) I'm a live awake alert enthusiastic, so let's let's get into this podcast today. Do it. So if you're looking to binge Succession, go on HBO Max, like everything else. <laughs> Two girls watch HBO. That's it. So as far as nominations and wins goes, at the Emmy Awards, this has 23 nominations and nine wins. But I will preface that saying that that spans both seasons so that's um season two and season one but i'm going to focus on the season one wins so it won best drama best outstanding casting uh best outstanding writing for the season two finale jeremy strong who plays kendall roy won for best outstanding lead actor and he was up against brian cox who lost to him uh nicholas braun kieran culkin and matthew mcfadden were all nominated for best supporting actor Um, And then Sarah Snook was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And then in 2019, I just had to throw this in here, it won for Best Original Theme Song because that theme song, it it like gets you excited. That heavy piano music, I'm ready for it. Is that an Emmy nomination for theme song? Where did that come from? No, an Emmy win. Okay, okay. So this series is very special because we can also dip into our golden globe nominations from january 
from yeah, uh, 2019 because this came out in – well, 2020, actually, because this, the Golden Globes came out in January and season two came out between August and October of last year. So it won Best TV Drama. Brian Cox won for Best Lead Actor, and Kieran Culkin was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Wow. That's yeah. a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of accolades. So I'm going to do season one, and then I'm going to do season two for the summary. Okay. Season one, a family who runs a multi-billion dollar company has an ill father running the show. He looks to name a child as a successor, but none of them seem to fit his perfect bill. His children have other plans, one resembling a hostile takeover. Yeah, that's ba- that's season one in a nutshell. <laughs> season two, more of the same from season one. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Kendall has become his father's lapdog. Shiv sways back and forth for being the number one contender. Marsha's out of the picture, question mark. Roman is COO, question mark. And Connor is running for president, question mark. Successors have been named but bail when a 20-year-old scandal comes to light. Yep. That's, that. yep, season two, yep. The only thing I was certain of was that Kendall was his father's lapdog. But then I don't know, because then the finale happened. Oh, my gosh. Oh, well, we'll get into that ending. Ooh. Also, just a note that Kendall and Kier, um, Roman were both COOs. They were co-COOs. Right, but I uh, for all of season two, because Roman is the one who takes over. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> I think my second round of puberty. Between all the acne and the cracked voice. Yeah. A lot. Um... At the end, they want to make Roman COO, but in the, like, well, he is COO throughout the season, I thought. Him and Kendall are co-COOs. Right, it's only at the end, I guess, that they decide that Roman is the only, he will, he's going to do it by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which should be interesting. I mean, his character development's pretty good. All right, let's talk about these characters. Sorry, my chair is still very squeaky. <laughs> I need, like, to grease it up. I don't know why it's so squeaky. You know, I like it because you never change. <laughs> I'm consistent. <laughs> All right. So the big bear of this family is Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox. This man goes from zero to 100 real quick. Oh. He- <laughs> He's the founder of Waystar Royco, a multimedia firm. Basically has his hand in everything and nothing gets past him. He has four children who are all vying for his uh, quote-unquote love and to be named successor. Kendall Roy, played by uh, Jeremy Scott. We get the sense that he has worked in the company for the longest and wants his father's approval desperately. Um, That's a problem because that makes him too human to have the position that uh, Brian uh, Brian Cox, that Logan Roy has. How um, dare you, you and your beating heart, thinking you could come in here and take over? Ridiculous. You need to be heartless. All right. So his sister is Siobhan Shiv Roy, played by Sarah Snook. I would argue that she is the most like Loy- Loygan. <laughs> Logan. Perfect. Cut Being that she's sneaky AF. Uh, she's made a career for herself in politics, but would give it all up for a chance at the big seat. She's married to Tom, played by Matthew McFadden, who I just need to put a side note in here that I could not watch him properly because I just know him as Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice and like two completely different characters. Yes. 
Shiv has legit called Tom a meat puppet once, so you kind of get an idea of what his role is. He does not come from money, he's really a doofus, but because he's with Shiv, he has fallen into really high seats in the company. Uh, their brother is Roman Roy, played by Kieran Culkin. He's the wild card of the family. He's incredibly outspoken, which he uses to mask all his real emotions deep down inside because he's got some real shit to, sh to sort out in there. Yeah, we're getting the E on this one. Oh, and so. then last but not least, we have the older sibling, Connor Roy, played by Alan Ruck. He's the eldest Roy who has the least influence in the company or in the family. And let's never forget when he screamed at the caterers because the butter was cold and this guy wants to run for president. Oh my god. I can't go any further without saying that this is the actor who plays Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I yes. had thought that what if Cam we never meet Cameron's father in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, what if it's Logan Roy? Oh my god. Oh, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosies. No. No, it wouldn't be that, but also, like, kind of. Yeah, I, that's it. That's you know what? That's a conspiracy theory I want to throw out into do, the universe. Do, 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 do. Let's go. Find the facts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, so, oh, I'm not done yet. You think oh, I can? Okay. You think I, I can't like, talk I, about Cousin Greg, the most important character? What? You're going to talk about Marsha? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention her at the end. But okay. I need to talk about Cousin Greg, played by Nicholas oh. Braun. He is Perfect. much too pure for this show and this group. He is a distant relative who finds himself intertwined in the family. Um, and then the two honorable mentions is Marsha, played by Hayam Abbas, who we've seen before as Rami's mom. Two completely different roles again. Yes. And then I also want to mention Jerry, played by Jay Smith Cameron, because she de she deserves to be mentioned. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah. I really like that character. So, where are you starting with the climax? Okay, so I want to mention that this show is very much like I Know This Much Is True, where every episode is, like, out of 10. Like, it's high, high energy. It's like, there are a bunch of bombs that need to be diffused in this series. There's, like, a yeah. mini bomb every episode, but then there's, like, a big bomb that affects the whole show that's ticking, and diffusing the mini bombs will either help diffuse the big bomb or, like, make the big bomb explode. So, like, everything is very intertwined, and we got a lot going on. So, but I, I, I feel like, to add to that, the content for this is binge-worthy. Yeah. Whereas... We know, I know this much is true. It, that was hard to watch. It is definitely hard to watch. This is a lot more, it's not as heavy as the the stuff going on in I Know This Much is True. Yeah, like this is like treachery and like hierarchy issues as opposed to paranoid schizophrenics cutting their arms off and like dealing with like that whole structure of like mental illness in facilities and things like that. But like this is this is drama at its core. Yeah, but it is still, like, a deep psychological look into the people in the show. Like, Yeah, they do a really good job with character arcs. Yeah, and character development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, 
I want to give just a little bit of background information. So the Roy's have appointed some really sketchy guy who they so lovingly nickname Mo Lester to their cruise division. And some really shady shit went down. And naturally, when you are a multi-billion dollar company, you pay to cover it all up. And you pay the appropriate people and you buy them off. But, (laughs) But guess what? This all falls into the hands of Tom and Greg, where if you look up incompetence in the dictionary, you get Tom and Greg. <laughs> I was just going to say, huh, the two people I would want to be stuck with most in a ditch. Excellent. Don't get me wrong. I love Tom and Greg for their comedic value, but they should not have the positions that they have. Absolutely not. This no. is exactly what happens when you're like recently discovered in a family and when you marry into a family that is this rich you can be you can be mickey mouse if you want to man that's crazy oh man (laughs) so this is the background information also the roys are in hot water because kendall tried to blow up the company and take the big seed And it all came back to hurt him. So basically, the shareholders are in a position right now to vote out or to vote to move the leadership away from the Roy family. So they are trying to cling to their company while also dealing with a lot of negative backlash because an article comes out about Mo Lester's reign in the cruise division. And they get questioned in D.C. At, in episode 9. Also, Roman is casually held captive. Don't know how we got out of that one. But I want to talk about episode 10 because uh, they all decide to relax while all this is going on and go on vacation in their yacht that could easily fit my whole house in it with room to spare. It becomes clear that to save face, someone has to be held responsible for the crew situation. So this vacation is more like a calming before the slaughter, and ultimately a decision is made, and Logan tells Kendall that it has to be him, and this is where I hand it off to you. Okay, yeah. So up until this point, we think it's we're we're thinking it's going to be Tom or Greg or Tom with Greg sprinkles. You, what, what was the email? It's like you can't make a Tomlet without breaking a few Gregs. Gregs. Imagine a, sixty-seven times. Oh, it must have been a joke. <laughs> what a stugats! Let me tell you. Oh, okay. So Shiv is the one who truly convinces her father to choose Kendall because mm-hmm. apparently they had had that arrangement that was off camera. And Shiv goes in and she's like, please just don't do Tom. Just do, because at this point Tom's like, we, I might not be able to handle this whole thing anymore. Like maybe I'm better off not part of this family. And Shiv's like, oh, I'm going to lose like the only man that loves me for who I am genuinely. So, and then also like the money is a plus. I, I could say so many things about Tom and Shiv's relationship and how messed up it is, but. Oh, yeah, it really is. But I feel like. Tom has supported her since day episode one, season one. I mean, it's not, I don't know if he's doing it just for his own gain. I don't know if he's doing it for the money or I don't know if he's doing it because maybe he just has some daddy issues growing up and needs somebody there who can kind of help him 
figure himself out and has the money to help him kind of figure out what he wants to do with his life. I don't know. Yeah. I genuinely think that there is some sort of care, but I also feel that Shiv is a big security blanket for Tom. 100%. Also, if but you I- see how like he acts around Shiv versus when he's acting alone, he acts uh, with such an ego when he's by himself, and then as soon as Shiv comes around, he's like... Like, he's, like, like, he, like, tames up really quick, and he's, like, bumbling, and he's, like, stuttering, and he's just, I don't don't even know. Yeah, it was, that was an interesting character development that I also know. Well, you could see it mostly with Greg. I mean, he decides that Greg is now one of his minions, but once Shiv decides to convince her father, she doesn't really ask her dad for favors, she makes an emotional decision to save Tom. Um, and then she, I guess, pitches Kendall to him, which is when Kendall comes in the room and they decide that it's going to be Kendall. They announce to the whole family. The family's like, Kendall, no, not me, but Kendall, no. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty much, you know, the sigh of relief around the table. So Kendall's scheduled to make a press conference about how he knew everything, about how he knew about their dear old Uncle Lester or Uncle Mo. (laughs) I don't know which one to do. And how he, he like, he like, there was like, it was a sexual harassment lawsuit, but then also like somebody died. Yeah, it was very vague and they didn't go into a lot of details, but it seems like this guy would hire people only if they would sleep with him. And then someone like, may have committed suicide it seems very there's a lot of sketchy stuff going on on in the roy yeah well i think the person like they mentioned that somebody fell off the boat and there was absolutely no attempt to save her because it wasn't they i think there was something else with prostitutes because they kept saying what is it n r p i no real person invested or something involved involved yeah um so that's how they just kind of labeled these human beings yeah. um, and just dismiss it. So all of this is coming to light and Kendall has to be the one because at one point the cruise department was under him. So they figured that he's the perfect scapegoat because he's blood of the family, which is kind of foreshadowed here um, because Brian Cox at some point says we need, um, we need a blood sacrifice. So then it ends up being uh, Kendall. Mm-hmm. He flies in, um, starts the press conference. We can see that he's prepped. Um, Carolina's there. They're getting him ready. He goes out, and he starts out in a way where you think it's going down. And then he just decides to throw his father completely under the bus. Yep. So everything, everything that Kendall said that he had to take responsibility for he made his father take responsibility. Yeah. And if you were to ask me, Kendall has the killer instinct after all. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I I want, are you going to mention that in your foreshadowing or could I jump in how they... Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. I mean, go ahead. It's fine. <laughs> Logan and uh, Kendall have a conversation before he goes to D.C. saying that, you know dad was it ever going to be me and he said you lack the killer instinct and then what did he do he just committed patricide is that it is that when you kill your father i think that's the word patricide 
Because there's well, like it was, it was that, and then the blood sacrifice were the two pieces that were the biggest foreshadowing um, within the season. My mom's alarm is going off, and it's church bells. It's okay. Nick is cooking breakfast, <clears throat> so it's it's a great morning here at Two Girls Watch TV. <laughs> I see a shadow. A shadow with breakfast. Mm. Are you going to eat breakfast in the dark? (laughs) (laughs) The fun will never stop. The fun will never stop. So, this is probably one of the higher ones that we did on the podcast. IMDb gave it an 8.6 out of 10. Wow. The critics gave this a 92%, and the audience gave it an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. That sounds about normal. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're in agreement. <laughs> My review was a 10 out of 10. Okay. Um, I don't know why I picked this one. Masterful storytelling. The show really finds its footing in season two. Strong ensemble cast, superb writing. This is long-form storytelling at its finest. We need more shows like this. Well, that's why I chose it, because I liked that they talked about it as long-form storytelling. So I kind of mentioned this in the wrong section of the outline, so I'm going to bring it back up. Um, I think that this show, I, I liked this review because I think that this show has a certain level of drama that keeps you entertained the whole way through. It's not like up down up down up down there's no real lulls there's like just enough drama to keep you consistently curious Mm -hmm. the whole season yeah and after i watched season one i was like oh my lord in heaven what is happening right yeah and i mean jeremy strong just breaks down yeah and I was like, oh, I never, like, this is a terrible character. This is not an arc. This is a valley. This is a character valley. We're going way down. You know? I well, just, I mean, I don't know if it's an arc because I saw him as a person or if, like, it's a valley because he pretended to be this top dog and then he went, like, Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Strong, I mean, Kendall Roy at the beginning of season one versus Kendall Roy at the beginning of season two. Two completely different people. Well, let me tell you, if he walked into one more meeting and went, yo, I was going to lose my mind. We'll get into my lows with Kendall because he, I have a single low and I have a feeling you already know what it is, but. That he's a trust fund baby. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll get, we'll get to that. Don't worry. All right. What's your, uh, what's your review from uh, So I was having issues loading my Rotten Tomato reviews last night. I could load the critics reviews, but not the audience reviews. And I really wanted to focus on the audience reviews. So I went to Reddit and I started looking through some Reddit feeds. And this one said, this was all about the finale. And it said, you knew it was coming from the moment Ken's name was brought up when everyone else's was was since it was obviously him and there was no way his character was going to be totally exiled because he's too damn good but it was still so satisfying to watch and greg being there to tie it all together was perfect in reference to the finale when he kills his dad not literally but figuratively right yeah yeah, well, Greg being there. No, no, no. Uh, Kendall. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, oh, oh! I thought you said Greg. Sorry. 
It was also clearly a last second decision and not some season long ploy, which is appropriate, I think. Shows that Kendall was not pretending the whole time and I I adored the final shot of the smile. Are you laughing at me saying adoid? Yeah, (laughs) sorry. It's okay. Edit, back to Greg, how perfect is that? Like, seriously, though, like, his gramps is going to love him, and he really did bring shit down from the inside after all. Yeah. Because if, to talk about Greg a little bit, Greg, his grandfather is Logan's brother, who they hate each other. They stand for all very different things. And he told his grandson that you need to quit the company or you lose your inheritance. And he decided to keep the company because he wanted to stay in and kind of bring it down from the inside. And in the end, what did he do? He kept a couple of the paperwork from the uh, the payoffs. He gave it to Kendall. Kendall blew up the company. So he really did take it down from the inside. But like, we never saw Greg do that. So... Yeah, we did. We did? When Tom and him were burning the paperwork because he... Yeah, he took a couple of files. He took a yeah. couple. Then he mentioned to Kendall that he had the papers. He did that like a while ago in the season though. Because he wanted to be... He When he knew that Kendall was going to take over, he was like, I have some documents. So like, I'd be a person you wouldn't want to get rid of. And then Kendall was like, way to go, man. You're in the company like three seconds and you're like doing the thing. Yeah, but I think because they had that conversation, like, Kendall could easily go back to Greg and be like, yo, you still have that paperwork? And he's like, oh, I saved a couple. Be like, why are these all crumbled up and covered in beer? Long story. Tom was involved. I thought it was gasoline. Oh, it was beer. (laughs) Maybe it was lighter fluid as well. The show is ridiculous. Um... But I did want to go back to talking about that smile because we the last shot of the like the finale is Brian Cox and he's watching his son murder his career and he smiles a little bit. Did you notice very, that? Very, very little. Very, very, very. Like, little. how dare he do that? But also, like, good for you, son. He finally got his dad's approval. Well, I guess we'll see, right? We will see. I feel like that smile is debatable because I I thought his look on his face was like a genuine look of curiosity and it was kind of like Steve Carell's face at the end of the morning show I couldn't really read it gotcha so I feel like I hope that in both of these shows actually either when they do the recap or when they start they start with that same face yeah I hope so so that it can be explained and then we can really see the emotion behind it. But I don't know if that'll happen. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. I feel like Logan Roy's very much like, he's like the John Mulaney skit where he's like, Irish people don't show their emotions. They keep them all down here and then one day they'll die. It's very much Logan Roy, except he's Scottish. They are? Yeah, they were in Dundee, Scotland. Are you saying the whole thing was filmed in Scotland? No, no, no. I'm saying that Logan Roy, the character, is from Scotland because they had that whole episode where he went back to his hometown. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Got it. I got this. All right. So my highs, I wrote, I hate everyone. This made me hate everyone. And that's a high? (laughs) Yeah, because it's... To, to truly hate a character with such passion and conviction that I have takes a lot. 
Like, that's not something I can't, like, there are many times where I could say, like, if you ask me 13 Reasons Why, I'd be like, I hate all these children because they're just awful. But I have specific reasons and motives for hating these characters. And I don't hate anybody. I like a lot of people. But I really don't like <laughs> who these characters are. And that, I love that. Yeah. I love that I was, I was put in a position to hate these characters. Like, I could tell I hate Logan Roy because I don't like the way he talks to the people who works for him. I hate Marsha because she's not nice to his children all the time. And she's kind of like a little conniving. Yeah. I hate Shiv because she's clearly taking advantage of her husband. I hate Tom because he's dumb. I hate Greg because he's also dumb. I hate Kendall because of the way he presents himself professionally. And he's like, yo, what up, playa? I'm a trust fund baby. And I'm like, sit down, please. And I hate... Um, what's his name? Roman. I hate Roman because he does all this comic relief, but deep down, I think he's a sociopath. This is an airing of grievances this morning. <laughs> Christina yeah. just got them all out. But, but like, but I don't, okay, let me rephrase that. I can't hate somebody because they're a sociopath. And I, I want to say, like, maybe it's just certain tendencies that he has where he, he just particularly actually he's not a sociopath he because he feels happy making people feel awful and i feel like a sociopath doesn't really necessarily totally grasp senses of feelings in general he feels yeah. really good by making people feel really bad that's why i hate it i withdraw my sociopathic statement because i feel a sociopath. i could sit here and talk all day about roman because he is such an interesting interesting character for the first time you see him he was another character and i always do this when i watch shows i'm like oh i think i'm gonna like him <laughs> nope. where do you know him from? what where do you know him from uh, i mean he's karen culkin he's macaulay culkin's brother oh i know but do you know what he's in he was wasn't he the little kid that wet the bed in um home alone one? Oh, sure but he's also in scott pilgrim yeah he is yeah that's where i know him from I feel like we could I love that movie so much. I think it's on Netflix right now. <gasps> I don't have time. <laughs> We're for, it's now eight o'clock in the morning. What are we talking about? <laughs> this show made all of these people awful. And I feel like to have as an audience member, to have a strong conviction, whether it be positive or negative means that you've created this character You've given them a sense of credibility, and then maybe you've just demolished it, and now I no longer like this person for whatever reason. But like I've seen this kind of like rhetorical analysis. I've done this rhetorical analysis on these different characters, and I feel like I'm committed to like making a decision based on what's presented to me and my own emotions. And I feel like that takes a lot. Of, you're asking a lot of an audience member when you do that, especially when it's a series. You're asking an audience member to go on this ride, to go on this 10-hour ride because the episodes were an hour long. Yeah, they were long. It's not like, oh, it's going to be like, it's an hour, but it's really like 56 minutes. No, no, it is. It's a ride. So it was an hour and 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like so much happens and you just, it's, it, it is a roller coaster, but everything's very much at a high high level mm-hmm. I will add on to it I think that the characters were really great and one of my highs was that it was 
really like a look into that super wealthy 1% and how like you wonder how these characters are the way they are and then you look what they live in and you're like oh okay that makes sense well they started making fun of a four seasons hotel and i was like that's a night that's a that's a that's like a good i thought it was a good hotel there i guess not there's rich and then there's stupid rich and these people are stupid rich these people would smack me with their 14 karat gold what am i talking about platinum pinky ring across the face for saying that the four seasons is a decent hotel well that's the thing like even in the first episode they're playing a baseball game and roman's about to give the kid what Um, how much was it he's trying to pay him a million dollars he's like i'm gonna write the check for you right now and he missed and he didn't give him a million dollars. And, like, Roy's, um, Logan's, like, henchman had to come and be like, here's an NDA, don't tell anyone about this. And also, here's a very expensive watch that Tom got him for his birthday. Like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to them. Which is, like, crazy. So it, it makes sense why they are the way that they are. Every time you say that, I think about Michael Scott in the office when he asks Toby, why are you the way that you are? <laughs> well, um, so I, um, did you have any I, more highs? No, that was my overall high. Okay. But my low, I just feel like Connor is so useless, man. I think that he's only there to just show what happens when like, you're so wealthy that you don't have to work. So you're just like, I don't even know. He, he's oh, such a weird character. I hate him so much. Yeah, he has. I hate him and I hate Tom the most. I think. I kind of like Tom because I of just the theatrics of him. Greg, is that the salty brine of the sea that I smell? <laughs> then why are you wearing boat shoes? Like, I think, I think he's hysterical. And poor Greg. Listen, when he started throwing water bottles at him, I was like, this. No, maybe that's a low. For why? For why? And then the security guard was there, and he's like, this is um, executive business. Throwing water bottles? Using a guy as a footrest? It's just bizarre. I will say that the only person that I don't hate on the show, and I just want to say he's also my high, is Cousin Greg. Because I feel like Cousin Greg, I will reiterate, he is too pure for the show. And I feel like he's the human quality that is put into the show. Like, I feel like we could get too wrapped up in everything happening and Cousin Greg is there to be us and be like, what, what, like, what is happening right now? Why, like, just completely baffled, like, uh, you need to pay for this cab because I don't have any money. Hey, do you have, do you have money for this vending machine? I only have a 20. Okay, great. She stole my last 20. Like, he's just the human quality to it to like go against their like the circus that is the Roy family and I love it. I feel like he's the pe- I so I feel like he's how they all start. I feel like he is how they all start in the family and then they slowly get corrupted. Like as he slowly starts to make decisions more for money than for like how he decides to leave his grandfather and continue working for the company. Because I think in reality he thinks that he's still gonna get millions of dollars but he can also make more money within the company. I feel like he's the process that we watch of something, somebody getting like slowly turned, if you will, into the company. I can see that. 
Um, I also want, I have one more high in the show. Typically with HBO shows, because they are a private company, you can get away with showing a lot on HBO shows. And a lot of times HBO shows are very oversexed. Like, I feel kind of, oh, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Like, I'm so excited for this. So much, se- like, don't get me wrong. I love the oversex shows. Game of Thrones, um, Entourage, True Blood, I was a big fan of, Sex in the City. Like, I am a fan of all of those shows. But what I like about this show is that they only use sex with these characters if it's to enhance the character like enhance the audience's knowledge about the character. For example, Kendall was having sex with his ex-wife at the in season one. It's mm-hmm. very awkward. It's very like all over the place, and it's really showing like Kendall as a person, where we see him as thinking that he's this big hotshot, but then he also has this really awkward sex with his ex-wife. Then we have Roman, who talks about like having sex with all of these people. And then you find out that he's in a relationship, that he doesn't have sex with a girl, but he, like, is into Jerry, weirdly enough. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. Oh, this is weird. He needs someone to tell him how terrible he is. He wants her to be a corpse. It's bizarre. He's like, can you just pretend like you're dead? And she's like, okay, so you want to, you want me to pretend like I'm dead so that we can... She's like, all right, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> yeah, like he has his own shit to work out inside of him. And I they they don't use it as like a, like they could easily make Roman out to be a person that would have sex with everyone and anything. And it would be completely fine. But instead we get that like interesting quality about him. And it's very interesting. Then with Shiv, you, she, you know that she cheats on Tom. Well, they, she doesn't cheat on Tom. They have an open relationship. But we never see anything happen. We just kind of know it happens. And I kind I like that quality. Like, it's not in-your-face sex scenes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I picked up on that real quick because you also don't see anything. Yeah. I'm so, like, did, did he and Naomi have sex in the helicopter? Did they? I don't know. And then all of a sudden she's, like, everywhere. I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe they, they are. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I also liked that. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Also, I will say Shiv's outfit, I don't like her as a person, but every outfit she wore. I just liked maybe two outfits of hers, but everything else I freaking loved. The stylist really knew how to dress her complexion and hair color. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then my one low was Kendall's rap. I could not stand that rap. I was cringing I was, so hard. I was laughing. I was laughing at was him. Not with him so at him. bad. Why would he ever do that? Um, because... I don't know. He seems like he's out to lunch sometimes. But then again, he also just like overthrew his father's empire. So I'm really not sure. Snack Snack break. break. I went back to my kettle of cooked chips. Ooh. What are you at? My my parents' house? They were the crinkle cut too. Oh. My mom was very jealous because now she's doing keto. And she's like, you're bringing these chips in the house. (laughs) Like, don't worry. They ain't going to last long. I'm sure we've talked about this on the, this podcast, but I cannot remember. My parents always have a bag of crinkle cut kettle chips, just plain sea salt ones. They buy the jumbo bag at Costco, and it's so impossible to walk into that house and not just like grab a handful of them. 
I remember one time they had the Himalaya salt ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It depends on whatever Costco uh, gets in. But my dad is a big chip guy, so there's always those chips in the house. It's the loophole. It's the whole 30 loophole. So I I watched this over a period. I can't really remember what I ate, but I have to say that for people who look like they don't eat much, there were so many pastries and croissants around, and I was watching this, and I was like, why do I want a croissant right now? I want it so bad, and I'm still craving a croissant or, like, a Danish or, like, something. Like, they had the best, like, pastries there, and I was like, ugh, I want that. You live in Hoboken. You could go down the street. I shouldn't eat it, but I want it, so that's an internal struggle that I'm going with right now. Maybe I'll get one tomorrow. You'll burn off the calories walking to and fro. You'll be fine. Well, thank you for being the bad influence in my life. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) So as far as expectation versus reality, I don't think I expected this level of storytelling. I think when I started to see how the story was going to be told, I think I thought it was going to be full of lulls and then like rapid, you know, spots or splurts of drama. Um, I don't think I expected to be like curious the whole way through because a lot of times with these longer shows you get your lulls. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like crack. I was addicted to it. I wanted to watch it. I wanted to know what happened. Sometimes after a forty-five to hour minute show, I'm like, oh, thank God that's over. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did my due diligence. I'm done now. I agree with you. I did not expect to like the show as much as I did, and I did expect big lulls. I also expected it to be a little bit more campy than it was, I guess. Um, but it turned... It was not, though. I mean, I think that it was an appropriate... Bore on the Floor wasn't campy enough for you? What happened? Bore on the Floor? No. Bore on the Floor wasn't campy enough for you on the retreat? All I could think about in that episode was dazed and confused when, like, the senior girls are like, fry like bacon, little freshman. Like, that's literally what <laughs> Logan Roy was. What was. Did you have an expectation? Well, yeah, that was it. I just... Oh. I. I feel like it was more, instead of being campy, it was more just hyper-realistic. Like, everything in the show, though at times was very outlandish, I can 100% seeing it being like real life. And I think Nick, I think Nick mentioned this to me, Logan Roy is based off of Rupert Murdoch, who owns um, News Corp, who owns Fox News. That's why, like, ATN was very much mimicked to be Fox News. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. So I could see this. I can 100% see this being real with the, the stupidly wealthy of the world. The people just have so much money, they don't know what to do with it. You should give it to us. Uh, that's the last thing they want to do. They don't even want to pay taxes. That's what Connor Roy was running on. Oh, my. Uh... <laughs> And a lot of times they don't. Okay, we're going down. Don't lead me down this, this path. I will go this there. Spiral. So let's end. Let's end on a on a on a high note. Yeah. Tell me what your IRL moment is. Since it's so hyper realistic, I can still relate with Logan Roy angrily walking through his halls, screaming, "We're getting pizza!" <laughs> I was like, this is it. This is the one. I can relate to you, Logan Roy, now as a person. 
Myself, like I hate you. But would you throw out pounds and pounds of lobster? Of lobster, no. Let me tell you that lobster would go in the fridge for later. Make a nice bisque out of that. Like, oh my god, just throw out so much lobster. But if I if I mess up my dinner, we're having pizza. Um, I had to look up where that's the Summer Palace is. It's actually on the Hamptons, and it was originally built for Henry Ford. Oh. Yeah, okay. I, I was like, where are they right now? And I had to do some research. My IRL moment was in the finale, Cousin Greg getting on the yacht and them telling him you have to take off your shoes because Marsha just redid the boat. And he's like, uh, I wasn't really prepared, you know, like toenail wise to expose my feet. That has been me all summer. Plus, like, right now. I've gotten one pedicure this summer, so my toes are in, like, bad news. Bad news bears. Learn how to do it on your own. That's what I do now. I have all the, I have all the things, all the little scrubbies and the bubblies. I've got, I've got an ingrown toenail situation that really just needs someone to look at. <laughs> that may be TI, TMI for everyone. Well, when he says, sails out, nails out, my stomach churned. <laughs> No, I'm still not, I don't like feet. I still don't really, I'm still not crazy about feet. You've, you've gotten better, but you don't I'm like not, feet. I'm at the point where Dave can give me a foot massage. So this is like, because I don't like feet. I don't like touching feet. I don't like feet touching me, but I can tolerate, he's got good feet. I can tolerate it. And I can tolerate him touching mine without like kicking them. Otherwise it's like, mm, no, but even like something small like that, Sails out, nails out. I'm like, (laughs) and on that note, I think that (laughs) we uh, we've done it all. Yes. Oh my God, it's not even eight thirty, and we did it, guys. Thank you so much. I'm sure it's not eight thirty by you, but um, have a wonderful week. Check out the podcast. Check out the YouTube channel. Two girls drink beer. You can email us if you have suggestions at. Uh, two girls watch TV at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T W O. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Hey, it's two girls. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Stina. Danielle's on Instagram because her Twitter is not a thing anymore. I, I use my Twitter only to look at Bachelor tweets, and that's about it. Oh boy. Yeah. So it's... her Instagram is at Danielle Kobianki. Good luck spelling that. All right, that's it. <laughs> That is it. All right, everyone. Enjoy your weekend. Bye. Bye.